Before we get going today, all three of us at the Thunder Down Under just want to wish our listeners all over the United States and the world a happy Thanksgiving season. Cherish the moments you have with the ones you love most, as we never know when those moments might be the last we share with that special someone. So as we begin the Christmas festivities, hug your family, share a drink and a hearty meal with friends and fellow fans, call that someone you haven't touched base with in a while. That can make a world of difference. And as always, let's go Bolts. Herbert is being chased, thrown on the run, and it is caught! Touchdown! Keenan Allen! What a grab! That's what I'm talking about! Hey, that's what I'm talking about! That's the warrior spirit right there, boy! Huge sack by Joey Bosa! 90-yard touchdown! 90-yard touchdown! It's going to be picked off at the 8-yard line by Derwin James! Herbert sets his feet, takes a shot downfield, has Titan! Caught! Touchdown, Chargers! That's the greatest Yes, hello, 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 and welcome back to me, to all, to the Thunder Down Under Chargers football podcast. Your host, Andy Prophet here, back from a little bit of a getaway up the East Coast, joined by my two great mates, Jack and Alistair. Jack, I'd uh, just like to say I thought you did a wonderful job stepping into the host role last week, keeping old Chatterbox here in check throughout, um, yeah, a wonderful little discourse between the two of you. Um how are you both, Jack? I'm going well, thanks, mate. Very, uh, it's a very, very busy time of year at school and feeling the pressure in the professional life. But hey, that's all right. We all do that sometimes. But uh, thank you for the kind words and glad to have you back this week because us two, uh, we tend to dialogue far too much and we need to be kept on track. So it's great to have you back, mate. <laughs> and Al, how are you doing, mate? Good, mate. We're just excited about your fantastic news. Um, all that, all that good stuff. You might almost need to give a little short rundown of what happened if he managed to get it out in, in one uh, one fell swoop, or if it was a bit of a stuttering experience. No, I got it all out in uh, one fell swoop, uh, as you said. Uh, executed the day as planned. Big surprise, um, a resounding yes. Uh, save all the romantic stuff. Um, actually, I, I eagerly got up. Uh, early on Friday, we had some accommodation up in the Hunter Valley uh, wine district in New South Wales um, to to watch you guys uh, on YouTube, um, check it out. But I had to actually clean up the place and we had to get out of the accommodation that morning. Um, so I waited to listen to the rest of the episode in the car trip back from the Valley to Newcastle. About a 45-minute drive, so perfect for the rest of the show. Uh, in doing so, I've made my brand-new f- f- uh, fiancé sit through the episode of the show that I wasn't even on. Uh, so, look. <laughs> She's, she'd already said yes uh, by that point, in, mate. Done. So you're in. It's locked, locked in. in. Yeah, absolutely. This is it. <laughs> um, so from the bottom of both of our hearts, uh, we thank the two of you for your lovely words. And also to the TDU family out there, um, all your lovely words as well, well wishes, uh, as we celebrated our engagement this time last week. Um, yeah, it was lovely to read all the comments and, and stuff. So Really blown away. Thank you very much. Um, on that, if you are new to the show, welcome. Uh, we're really loving the growing community of listeners and followers uh, we're, we're getting at the moment. We love interacting with you all. So share your thoughts with us. Uh, also, please do us a quick favor. Hit the like and subscribe uh, if you're watching on YouTube or just give us a review and a rating on the audios. Uh, we appreciate you guys. Thank you. All right. We've got 
Another prime time defeat to work our way through, this time to the hands of the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, let's see who's improving and who's taking a step back and then we'll get stuck into hopefully a, a dominating road win against the Arizona Cardinals. All right, Los Angeles Chargers 27, Kansas City Chiefs 30. It was the Chiefs receiving the opening dick off on Sunday Night Football. Coverage looked a little sketchy early. The pressure on Mahomes was there. SJD getting himself a little get to know your time. Derwin James, Travis Kelsey. This time a win for Derwin early up and keeping the Chiefs to a field goal. Just got the scoreboard ticking. Golly, it was great seeing 13 and 81 back in the lineup. Straight off the bat, boom, 16 yards up to Keenan. Then a screen that gained yardage. Woo, just wait for it on second and two. 50 yard explosion to Joshua Palmer. Al, you and me were watching it. Golly, the couch was getting mighty hot. Chargers flipping the script on the sluggish starts and the shithousery of first quarters past. It was then a field goal each before Mahomes does what Mahomes does, dropping the ball into a thimble for Fortson, setting up a simple Travis Kelsey touchdown. Chiefs with the lead, we were in for one then. Concerns over Mike Williams' ankle started to mount, landing a bit awkwardly after a beautiful sideline catch. Beautiful, craft, beautifully crafted drive by the bolts under the fire in Justin Herbert led to a yet another Austin Eckler touchdown. His 13th on the year to date. Not bad, not bad. The defense itching to get itself off the field. Consecutive three and outs by the Chiefs gave Herbie and Co. another crack before the main break. We're settling for a field goal at the three-yard line, the, the conservative straw that broke the camel's back. Second half started with a flurry of penalties and clear indicators that the offensive line was starting to lose the battle of the trenches. Herbert copping big sacks and big hits. On offensive stagnancy rearing its ugly head again. Defensively, things looked tight, keeping the Chiefs to another field goal. And then big lapses on third and 17, third and seven. Iced with a hopeless tackling display. Travis Kelsey again, this time from 33 yards on third and four. Soft as shit. Allen makes amends for his fumble, reeling in a serious hamstring tester for 46 yards and a handy touch of run blocking to set up first and goal. Josh Palmer in for his second of the day. As we all know, leaving the Chiefs 146 on the clock and two timeouts, it's just too much. Maybe a, miss, a missed offensive pass interference on Valdez Scantling. Maybe a soft holding call on the other side of the field on Derwin. Both earning first downs, Mahomes a scramble, Kelsey in for the go-ahead touchdown, winning the final battle with Derwin James and the game for Kansas City. Frantic final possession of the Chargers was reminiscent of some of the bad times with Phil Rivers, an awkward sack and a game-losing interception. The positives of a 5-3 post-buy record now crashing down to earth at 5-5. Five five. Chiefs storming ahead in the division with a near unassailable lead. Oh, golly, it was heartbreaking oh, again yeah. and it was really hard to sit through. But here we sit. Jack, you sent us some great videos, man. The emotions were raw. I don't think we'll share those ones. No, we won't share those I hope you <laughs> I hope you've apologized to the pillows that you threw through your wall. Yeah. That was awesome. I had my uh, hearing in court today. They, they're suing me for grievous bodily harm. So uh, anyway, oh is what it is. Uh, mate, now that the dust settled a little bit, we've had a couple of days out, what are, you, what are your big takeaways from the game? Listen, it's pretty hard. I was fairly negative where at first watching it. You know, you're there. We've been there so many times. And to have it kind of play out exactly the way it has time before, almost almost to the letter 
Kelsey walking in, running in, can't tackle him, being very arrogant. And man, I can appreciate how taunting how us. amazing Kelsey oh. is, but God damn, I hate that guy. Um, yeah, that was that was hard. And I think, Alistair, you pointed out that there are going to be more positives to walk away from this game than negatives. I, I don't know if I sort of agree. Even a couple of days out, you shared a couple of videos on Twitter about with the All-22 showing some fairly inadequate scheming, inadequate play. I don't know. I th- the biggest one that sticks out to me, again, we just can't... This, there's this lack of coherency. And yes, I understand that we're playing with a lot of injuries. We're playing with you know, our third and fourth down defensive linemen. But we started to hopefully have some coherency back with Keenan and Mike. But just some of the hurry-up offense and just the flow of the game just never seems to be on our terms. It just jars me whenever I'm watching. So I'll get into some stuff later on. But that was the big thing that I took away. It was just... It just the way that the second half ended, uh, sorry, the first half ended, I just went, oh my God, it's going to happen again, isn't it? And lo and behold, it did. Hmm. It, it's interesting, isn't it? Because when you just think of the last two weeks and the fact that the team still has one hand tied behind its back because it's missing some decent players in most instances, others flat out superstars, and we've lost by four points to the Niners and three points to the Chiefs. Should we be feeling great? Should we be thinking, look, they might be the best two teams in the NFL. Mm. They might make the Super Bowl and we're within a field goal or a touchdown of both of them with opportunities to win. But it's never really how you feel, particularly when you, at least when I kind of perceive some fatal flaws in what I'm watching. And I think some of it is that feel, as you say, Jack, like the instincts appear to be off and we'll unpack that as we discuss the game. Um, But it's, I'm now worried that the run defense is completely cooked. I uh, One of the great benefits of watching, re-watching a couple of days later from a different vantage point, a different type of film, you typically pick up new things. And because I was so engrossed in the game, I didn't really notice how the Chiefs came out in the third quarter and just ran the fucking ball down our throats. They went Pacheco 18 yards, Pacheco 9 yards, Pacheco 8 yards, Pacheco 4 yards, McKinnon 4 yards, McKinnon 7 yards. In the second half, they had 17 carries for 102. It's 6 per tote. And and when you were watching, there there wasn't even a consistency in how they were gashing us, man. It was up the middle and then outside the tackles and then up the middle and then outside the tackles. Missed tackles, Derwin making mistakes, Adderley making mistakes. SJD blown off the ball, Fox getting double teams, tranquil in the wrong gap. And for that to be happening in the second half of games against a team that's not even very good at running the ball traditionally, it just doesn't augur well when the 49ers did that to us last week. So that's the big standout just to start with this game. I thought run defense might be gassed for the entire year. Do you think there's any reason why we could improve it, Andy? Well, I don't. I think we had our opportunities to to bring in some extra cavalry um, in the weeks past, and talked about going. that. We touched on this, and nothing happened. So, I don't know. I don't. All the all the words you get out of the coaches is we've got the guys in the building to do the job. They've just got to execute. I'm like, mate, they never execute. Um, <laughs> like, I just they're not the guys. Um, there were moments where, and look, you know, you, Jack, you said. Uh, at the top, um, third and fourth down linemen and stuff. I thought Morgan Fox actually got in there pretty well, and it was 
maybe Kyle Van Noy listens to the show and he heard you rev up, Al, but um, he was he was everywhere. So, look, I don't see how we can really improve unless we execute. There's more I want to get into about how we go about executing. But Well, there's no one coming back. So unless you're signing new people, that's it. That's our defensive tackle yeah. group now without Austin Johnson and Tito and everyone else. I, I, mm, I, I don't know what you do. I you know, SJD, again, per PFF, had a, a poorly rated game, even though he flashed on a couple of those sacks uh, that I thought w- was good to see. But I, I said it in our in our, in, in our chat that... They weren't sacks. Well, Big point. well the, his, his, his pass rush was yeah. good, Jack. I, I know what you're saying. He rushed the passer well, and then just he was getting blown off a bit on the run. run but th- and this is a big question. I, I, I raised it in the, in the group earlier, you know, We've signed SJD because he was effective in Staley's scheme when he was at the Rams, but was he only effective because he was next to Aaron Donald, arguably the greatest defensive player of all time? Uh, I, I, I don't know where we're going to go. We looked a little... We still had some exotic looks. There were still some five and six... I think there was a five and six down time sort of rushing Mahomes at times. There were some slot corner blitzes and things, but... I don't know how we're going to stop it because Kenneth Murray and Drew Tranquil and Troy Reader are just not built to stop the run. They're, they're, they're smaller. I mean, arguably Kenneth Murray should, but we, I just don't know what we're going to do because teams will just run it, whether it's outside now or inside. You know, my, my, my battle cry a couple of weeks ago was, please don't get beaten on the outside. And we've done a pretty good job at stopping that. But now we're just getting eight yards, seven yards, four yards, six yards. It's just, I don't know what to do. I don't know. What, I wonder, imagine what Staley's thinking right now going, Fucking hell. How do I do this? <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a good point, man. Like, we spoke so, like, joyfully at the start of the season about bringing in guys and not having to use them as every down players like Van Noy and Mac and that sort of stuff. Mac, probably not so much, but Van Noy for sure. And now look where we are. We're these guys just getting burnt out and it shows. Um, playing way too much. Yeah. yeah. Playing way too much. You don't want Mac playing 90% of snaps and Van Noy 75%. They'll get injured in a couple yeah, of weeks. This is sure. not what you want. No. It's... Oh, storm clouds are brewing, man. I'm starting to... I don't mind going deep dark for a couple of minutes. I'm pissed off. Slow starts to the third quarter. Get fucked. What is the DeAndre Carter? Why are we returning the ball out of the end zone to start the second half? Copping a penalty, so you start at the 11-yard line. Okay, three and out, punt. Then you've got the Chiefs running the ball with impunity. Where, where are the instincts? Lombardi calling a wide receiver bubble screen at midfield on a first what and 10. Two-yard loss when you're moving the ball down the field. Chargers allowing a 43.8% conversion rate on third and 11 plus. Ludicrous. By fast... The- that third and 17 made me sick. Yeah. What what are we doing on that play? If you look at, they're running some cover for Shell. Adley's about 35 yards off the line of scrimmage. Oh, that is the easiest 25-yard completion I've ever seen in my life. Crazy. So there, there, there are things to be annoyed about in this game, even though we only lost by three points. All of that stuff. They're, they're repeat offender issues, right? Instincts. When are you going into hurry up? Why aren't you going for it on fourth down here when last year you used to do it? Third and long, giving it up on defense. Jeez, but we only lost by three points, right? So it's just, it's a bizarre feeling. Mahomes had one of his best games I've ever seen. Oh, insane. He was on fire, oh. but we only lost by three points. Explain yeah. it to me. I, it's it's we, so bizarre, isn't it? It's just so enigmatic this team is just so enigmatic it's it's hard to 
it's hard, it's hard to put a, put a finger on it. Uh, do we want to look at some positives and maybe look at Troy Reader was on the field for Kenneth Murray and, and had some big okay. games? I mean, that... Okay, mate. Would you, <laughs> would you like to see more of Troy Reader, Jack? Would you like to see him take... I know Murray's role. Or well, why not? I mean, the guy can cover that. That coverage that he had on uh, who was it? Was was it Fortson? Noah Gray. That Noah, Noah Gray. Gray was was incredible. Um, he forced that. That the Peanut Tillman oh, would have been yeah. happy with that with that fumble. Uh, yeah, but keep him on there, especially especially in coverage downs. Um, yeah, get get Kenneth Murray off the field. If that's the way. That's the case. So Andy, any any. Oh look on. On Kenneth Murray, sorry, just to, I'll let you finish, and then no, I'll no, no, I was going to, I was going to throw to you if we've got any more happiness or any. Can we see a parting of the storm clouds anywhere? All right, well, yes, to a degree, I'll, I'll, I'll remain happy, I guess, if you want. <laughs> I thought the script game, the start of our game, was great yeah. for once. Mm. It it wasn't conservative, big, uh, big play opening to Keenan. Awesome to get him into the game straight away. Dundre Carter on the, the screen out to the near side and then bang to Josh Palmer. Um, that was that was awesome. The defense, there was like you said, Jack, there was some exotic stuff early. Um, we mixed it up and we got the pressure on Mahomes. Um, Actually applied a lot of pressure yeah. on Mahomes throughout the game. He just did well For not sure. to turn it over, but... A lot of pressure applied. One of the most in weeks, I thought. So they, they, you're right; they're doing something right. Yeah, well, that's that's another thing as well. The pressures um, and good time management. We, I think we restricted the Chiefs to one possession in the last seven or eight minutes of the half. Um, I guess the last little bit was a bit disappointing. I thought going uh, kicking the field goal at the end of the half was probably from you know from the three yard line something that could have worked well it was what fourth and one or something oh no we lost a couple of yards on the play before no, so yeah, i thought there were couple, yeah yeah i thought there were um a couple of positives something a little bit different the way that we sort of approached it was just a, I, I felt just confused the hell out of it like it was stuff that we've sort of never seen um but you know things change when you've got good receivers back in the lineup and they change the way the defense operates so you can open up guys like josh palmer Al, what what positives have you got man i want to build on that i think that's what we need to cling on to that when as soon as keenan returns what a difference it looked like offensively for decent stretches we were suddenly accessing the deep part of the field in ways that we just haven't done this year particularly off play action that mm -hmm. first palmer touchdown that's what i want to see fake handoff herbert actually takes about six extra steps to his right and you have this max protection and you see him load up and then you just know good things are going to yeah. happen when he does that. 100%. No pressure because of the way it's been schemed up. He's gotten outside of the pocket, let it rip. And there was another really good one to DeAndre Carter for 20 yards where they used Palmer as a clear out so Carter could come on the deep crosser. So I don't know. that Our chance, I think, I've got, I've got a feeling the defense, we're banking on it being a turnover-based defense that every couple of weeks they'll stand up. But they've got some flaws that I don't think they're going to fill. We need Herbert and Keenan and Mike and Palmer just to go out and be gods, essentially. And they can do it. Palmer's had his second consecutive game with 100 yards. That was his best game, that one, I thought. Eight catches, two touchdowns. Yeah. He he gets a lot of help suddenly when he's got Keenan in. So I'm happy to be pretty positive about, you know, the arrival of Josh Palmer. You've got Keenan's return. Just give us one of Everett or Mike Williams and... Mm. These defences we're coming up against the next few weeks aren't that good. 
Cardinals, Raiders, Dolphins. We could score a lot of points, and I think that's our main chance to stay in these games. I yeah. That worries me a little bit, talking about Herbert and Allen and Williams and Palmer to play well, because the offensive line against not a very good defensive line in the Chiefs had an absolute stinker. Zion Johnson had his worst game for the year. I think Matt Filer had one of his worst games of Awful. the year. He was so Shot. bad. I think it was Chris James really... is so good, though. Chris James is so good. I get good. that, but the rest, of, uh, the rest of the talent around him, we made them look a lot better than I think they are, or they just exposed how bad we are. I mean, Solia had one of his worst games. Herbert was under a lot of pressure, a lot of, lot of pressure, and I just worry that we go back into that conservatism of, okay, let's protect Herbert, so let's not launch down the field. But as you say... You know, maybe there can be a bit of yin and yang here. Is that even though we have a, you know, a just, <laughs> I don't know, you've got a pencil sharpener and an eraser and all sorts of shit happening on the offensive line, um, that maybe the receivers can overcome some of the, the the shortcomings of that. Because you know what, Mike McDaniel's is going to throw all sorts of stuff at us. I think Cliff Kingsbury this week might move um, move Zach Allen all up and down that line. You know, teams are going to try and expose that. Your boy. <laughs> Your boy. Well, here's the, here's the data that supports that. That was awesome news for Chargers fans. This week on the offense, we went at 9.33 yards per attempt, highest of any game of the season. The average depth of target, 9.1 yards per attempt, second highest of the year. Only four catches thrown to running backs. We've been calling for that all year. And the first game of the year with zero dropped passes by Chargers wide receivers. So all of that bodes well for the first game with Keenan coming back. Just don't do your hamstring again, buddy. And that would be good. Yeah, one other thing, um, just touching yeah. on just touching on Keenan before you shoot off, Al. Um, <clears throat> I thought that his natural ability to generate separation, and it was so visible so early on, I felt like that was contagious to the other guys. I saw DeAndre Carter like do it with far more ease. And look, the Chiefs' defensive backs aren't that bad. Um but it just it seemed like his presence his presence in in blocking as well was great it helped Eckler so much more and it i think that leadership on the field is just pivotal out Oh, it's hard. Like every time I think about the game, it, it kind of comes back to Travis Kelsey, right? And you're just watching one of the greats of all time, and Patrick mm-hmm. Mahomes. You're watching one of the greats of all time, and every time they had a like a must have it moment. Our approach to this game was clearly to play a bit more man coverage on on Kelsey. And when we lined up Derwin on Kelsey, for the most part, it worked until that very last play of the game. Hey, Jack, I know you've been looking at some cover one defense. That was your cover one lurk. And you had Adley playing the robber, and they've run a mesh concept across the middle. He's just feeding quicksand. He hasn't yeah. moved. He's meant to have inside leverage there to try and get in the way and tackle Kelsey. It's hard. It's a tough ask on Derwin to come from the other side of the formation like that. Mm. that that's just cr- good scheming by Reed, good execution. And then every time Kelsey was on Asante Samuel Jr. or that one on Kenneth Murray that went for 35 yards. Yeah. My God, he's just a superstar. Man coverage doesn't work. Like throw that in the bin for next oh. time. <laughs> uh, it was just indicative that Kenneth Murray may have for a big guy some decent straight line speed but his agility is just poo it's just that was atrocious you just cannot have Kenneth Murray in any situation lining up on Travis Kelsey and considering the way that well sorry the the fact that the Chiefs came into the game with 
Smith Schuster out, Miko Hardman out. Um, how did we not just prepare Kedaris a little bit? Tony more? got injured at the start of the game yeah. and didn't play. How did we just not prepare more for Travis Kelsey? He he fucks us up every single time. It's That's and really it's always the off. same That's shit, really and we can't off. tackle him. Is this a is, is oh. this a good segue to maybe start talking about a bit of a macro picture at scheming and some of the statements that I prepared and, and shared with both of you earlier to maybe sort of I think so pull us out of the pull us out of the darkness <laughs> wow. Jack get us get us to a macro I high don't level know, I don't know how I don't know how light and, and pleasant this will be but uh, for the listeners earlier today I just was sort of pontificating about what the the game means and. And, and I was sort of thinking, ultimately, it's, you know, our sideline versus the Chiefs' sideline. We're going to see Andy Reid and Mahomes for however long. Uh, and what does that actually mean for us? And, and where do we sit? So my first statement, and I'll sort of open it up to you guys to agree, disagree, or um, uh, maybe just sort of chime in. But this, is, this was my first statement, and this is what I sort of was thinking. So defensive coaches or head coaches are generally, generally speaking, conservative in how they approach their preparation. Their mindset is to actually rationally try and stifle the creativity of the opposition offenses. That's what defensive, that's what defensive coordinators do. Generally speaking, they are reactionary in their approach to game planning. And even though they, they might try to prepare some creative sort of moments to upset the opposition, game day, it's, it's, an, it's a conservative mindset approach. You know, don't muck up, don't make a big stake, D- don't make a mistake, don't, don't let that big play go. Whereas the offense, you know, I guess at a very base philosophical level is more creative. It's looking for that big break. It's just the nature of the game. How does that sit with uh, you, Alistair? It speaks to me. I think that's right. I mean, even your great exemplars of defensive head coaches typically have great defenses and creative defenses. But like, look, Belichick's the obvious example. The Tom Brady offense was a little bit cookie cutter. I mean, it, it's not like they were doing extraordinarily creative things all the time. They were just a highly efficient chain moving offense and they relied at various parts of the, the long history of those two, the defense being dominant, especially the early part of Brady's career. Same with Mike Tomlin. Mm-hmm. Like their defense, the f- defense first team. So I accept the premise and I like the way you put it that as an offensive head coach, you're kind of used to creating things and scheming up ways of scoring quickly and scoring a lot of points. I do think, though, there's a case that Staley breaks the mold a little bit and that we saw it last year. The fact that he was, yeah, <laughs> saw it last year and, and was, um, you know, so willing and eager to do, do more... Uh, kind of contrarian things, but I don't want to say too much more because I feel like we're going in that direction based on some googly eyes giving me into the mic, into the camera. I mean, I, so go, oh, go oh, on. That's, that's the shut up, Lloyd. <laughs> yeah, that was that was the big quiet in class look. I've got. Oh, okay, no, you, you've you, got a detention. You'd know if I was giving you that look. Um, so, so I guess my second statement, and Andy, after I after I say this, I'll sort of throw it to you for, for for a little bit of your opinion, but. By Staley being our head coach and Lombardi himself, you know, on uh, calling the offense, we sort of perceive him to be perhaps a little cautious. And I don't have any data to back any of this up, um, but perhaps this is one of the reasons why we're seeing Chargers playing that, this conservative football this year. You know, Staley is Staley more, you know, likely to say to Herbert and or Lombardi, "Don't make a mistake here. Don't don't go for it. Let's just let's just you know kick, let's just kick the field goal or just check it down." 
because Staley, being a defensive coach now, believes he's got that defense with him. He trusts and has confidence in his defensive capabilities as a leader and coach. You know, he's maybe inherently building a rod for his own back in when he's, you know, thinking in his head about his play calls. Maybe, maybe not. What do you think about that? Lots, lots to unpack there. Uh, I think that last year Staley backed himself a lot more with his uh, belief in analytics and the way that he viewed that as a decision-making tool. Um, And I think he was successful at times and he failed at times. And there was a lot of, um, there was a lot of, oh, geez, we've lost another game because of fourth and Staley or, Holy crap! We've got out. We won a game because of Fourth and Staley. There was arguments for and against, and we just gave the benefit of the doubt and said, "Let's uh, let's let's just back this guy. Like this is exciting. Mm-hmm. We're we're doing stuff, and we should be doing stuff. You know, it was how it was how we felt it was supposed to be. And now he copped a lot. He copped a lot of criticism because he lost games, and ultimately, um, year comes down to win loss, and we lost the last game of the season when there was probably a few we left on the field, we missed the playoffs season regarded as a failure. Uh, Disappointing, but all that criticism and the lack of ultimate success or furthering the season uh, has definitely come into light of the owners and, uh, and, and John and, uh, I reckon he's he's had his wings clipped a little bit, and I think mm-hmm. what we're seeing now is a little bit more of an overall conservative conservative kind of approach, um, bend don't break kind of thing. Uh, but I think he's having a little he might be having a little bit of difficulty kind of trying to sort of stomach that because we know what the Chargers organization is, and um, we can get into this a little bit further down the track. But there, the owners need to have a say and need to sort of control and, um, you know, make it their football team, have their print on the football team rather than getting someone in and letting them run the ship. Mm. So I think, yeah, ultimately I think he's had his wings clipped. Joe Lombardi is conservative. Um, and I don't quite understand why, but it's just the way he is. And it's, quite frankly, it's not good enough from either of them. So here we go, Alistair. Whack! Catch-22 is one of our favourite books that we both read, and I have one here for you. You know, we, yeah, you touched great. on, both of you touched on last season, Staley perhaps being uh, less conservative and focusing on analytics and really going for it in situations and, you know, having to live with fourth and Staley. What I believe that was was an aberration because I think that's actually Brandon Staley trying to break the general mould of who he might be as a defensive coach. You know, I'm going to be purposely not gun-shy to show that I'm not a defensive coach. In that, I do maybe think because he didn't have the weapons to trust on his defence, inherently he, he started to do that because it, that was his route to or route to success. But by building the defence that Staley needed, it has actually meant the Chargers have become less dynamic and creative in their approach to almost everything. It's that catch-22 is get what you want and need, but lose the edge that made you so successful in some cases the last season. What do you think about that? Not buying it because what about the game against Cleveland? That might have been the most aggressive thing he's done. Arguably the stupidest, depending on who you speak to. So I think he still has it in his DNA. What I think 
we're seeing is a confluence of events that are difficult to kind of separate where you've got quarterback with fractured ribs, Herbert sometimes checking down, Staley sometimes wanting to make decisions to go for it, but the offense isn't past protecting well. Um, Staley looking at the data and seeing that we're not converting on fourth down very well at all this season. Hmm. So you adjust your pro approach when you look and say, well, we've gone for it. What, I don't have the data in front of me, listeners, sorry, but you know, we've gone for it X times and I know the, the conversion percentage is poor this year. So I think he's still got it in him. And I, what I expect to see is it come out more and more as Keenan returns, as Mike Williams returns, as Herbert's ribs are fully healed. I, I was pissed off this week though, because if you take your minds back to week two, when we were on the show with Kyle, and I was getting so frustrated about you must go up at halftime by two scores here. You must go for this. It was Groundhog Day. The same thing happened. We were at the Kansas City Chiefs too. Bad instincts by Lombardi. We're running the ball up the middle excellently. He calls a toss sweep to Eckler. One yard loss. And then on a fourth and two, we decide, you know what? We'll go up 20 to 13 at halftime. If that's 24-13, different game. And then we also punted on a fourth and inches in the third quarter with four and a half minutes left. Now we were at the Chargers 34. We were way back in our territory, but it's fourth and inches. We're up 20 and 16. Oh. The QB snake was working. Yeah. The QB, QB snake, snake was, was working. working. So look, I partially abide by what you're saying because he's he's just being a schizophrenic this year, but I mm. wonder if it's, it's a combo of he's been bagged the shit out of by media. He's now coaching for his career. He saw the kind of reverberations around fandom after the Cleveland near loss and Keenan Allen smashed him on Twitter. So yeah. all of that affects you as a human being, right? And you're 100% right. And I guess this goes, Andy, you touched beautifully on my statement four, which was about Staley having his wings clipped by the conservative front office, you know, um, you know, minimize. The well, I, I agree with that statement. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, like John or whoever is like minimize the wavelengths of the performance riders, you know, don't win big, don't lose too big. You know, that's what, you know, that's what we've seen this season, I guess. But so let me go to this last one, which is, you know, the vista of what you see standing on, you know, maybe the Chargers sideline as you look over at the Andy Reid sideline and what Andy Reid sees when he looks at us. Kind of that water boy moment when the coach is looking at the other coach and that sort of that's that's what I had in my mind anyway. You know, that I do think the difference between Staley and Reid is a relatively simple one. You know, one is offensively minded and exudes confidence. He's also far more experienced. Um, he looks for tricks. He looks to take risks. And his quarterback, you can see, is just purely empowered by this. You know, he throws the ball all over the field to weapons that even after moving on, arguably the best wide receiver in the game in Tyreek Hill, he's getting more production and is looking even better. He's playing better than his MVP year. You know, that this coach and quarterback symbiosis when they approach a big moment is not conservative and schizophrenic. It's creative, positive with a constructive and fairly, fairly logical or fairly um, well thought out and well communicated philosophical approach. When you look at Staley, the schematic choices are strange. Sometimes the decisions, the game management are still slightly schizophrenic. I'll use, I'll use that word again, even though that might not be, I just want to apologize if that's not a word that we used to say that. And I don't think it is, but, um, and it is that the re cause he's, he's, he's a defensive coach and he's taken that path, but he's trying to be a head coach, you know, will he by no fault of his own, you know, be shouldered with that conservative approach to managing big situation and, and organization, you know, 
And I think therefore maybe the hurry up offense just looks wrong. The game has no flow. We've talked about coherency on this podcast about when the offense is playing well, the defense doesn't, et cetera. We're just not getting it because I think maybe he's Staley within himself is struggling. As you said, Elster, who am I? What am I doing? And that's kind of where I sort of ended it. I don't know where you guys want to take it from there, but you know, the people as what we see on the, on the pitch, I should say is the people behind it. And you look at all the people in our organization and it kind of makes sense to me of what we, what we've seen this season. Well, I'll, I'll jump in and I'll, I'll go to the chiefs first. I think I look at this game and Jack, you said it maybe Monday night in the heat of the moment, but we were a better coach and a better quarterback were on the other side of the field. And I don't know if he exudes confidence, but he, he, Andy Reid is a coach who uses what he has and he gets the most out of it and he can change up this offense and succeed with this offense now without Tyreek Hill because he has the quarterback who can do whatever the fuck he needs him to do. Um, and I think that's a very special situation. Andy Reid's obviously a, a mastermind and has been doing it for a lot longer than Brandon Staley. But I don't, I don't know. I, I, I really agree with the concern of identity in, in Coach Staley, and I think it, it has been a big shift uh, from what we saw last year to what we saw this year. I think there's a little bit of fairness in what you say about um we're more they were more inclined to go for it on fourth and whatever um last year because he didn't back the defense to get it done but now he does and even though we have these injuries and the depth is a clear problem a lot of what he's saying in his press conferences is we have the right guys they just don't execute like they just don't execute and i'm to be honest with you i'm fed up with hearing that because they're just not guys who are good enough to be premier NFL players and take this team where it needs to be. Also, I'll say he had a star-studded lineup in LA with the Rams and he could do all kinds of fun stuff. He, he, he got the most out of the players and did. he was far from conservative and um, by the book as far as his defensive play calling. Is his scheme now that you know we've gone from a defense that he clearly didn't trust to um, the defense that he has now, which we've invested a lot of money in as an organization? And yes, we've, there are a couple of crucial injuries, but we're not getting the results. We're bottom three in yards per game, points per game against. Um, we're not seeing any improvement in, in this in this defense. So yeah, we're also first in cap space on IR and. War yeah, yeah, I get, I get, I get I, I'm going to go, I've got a parting comment to make on this. Time on task is important. Andy Reid and Mahomes have been doing this for five or six years. Andy Reid's been a head coach for how long? 20 years? Do you know what? There were stretches where Andy Reid was a laughing stock for not knowing how to manage games. I, like, he's very creative offensively, but he still has shocker moments where if you look at the fear index, they're like, Andy Reid punted on a fourth and one from the 42. Like, he's not immune from mistakes. And I think Staley's trying really hard at the moment to negotiate a challenging period in the kind of incipient stage of his coaching career with injuries and pressure. And I'm, I still have faith that he's the right guy because he has a learning and he's got a, like a growth mindset as we've discussed and we'll see some of 
this stuff hopefully iron itself out before the end of the season. And I agree with the tempo comment, Jack, but you know what? I'm glad that we're trying to use tempo. There are teams who don't do it. And part of the reason why it doesn't look good is when it doesn't work. I think that's one of those ones where when it doesn't work, you notice it and you go, oh, why do we run tempo? But if it works, you don't feel that way because you're thinking, oh, okay, great. We just suddenly went into tempo for a quarter, a bit like, you know, McVeigh would do and Brady. Mm, but I mean, I, I agree. We're missing that coherence. Yeah, I mean, I I would disagree. I I still see even even the one where Herbert snuck a couple of times. He lost it, and then he recovered it and went back. I'm still going. What are we doing here? I'll I'll say this, and maybe to finish before we go to snakes and ladders, Andy. You know, as a leader, it takes a very long time to figure out who you are and how you want to run an organization. And it must be very hard when you are who when you are Staley. When you're all about relationships and you're all about making sure that your players, you know, are empowered, um, your players know what's going on, but at the same time, you've got all sorts of other forces working around you. You're the figurehead of an organization when you have powers that be p- pounding down upon you to say, to do this, to do this, where, and they're not visible to any of the media or any of us. So I can't imagine the pressure mm. it would be. I, I agree, give Staley time. He's got a growth mindset. At the moment, he's being inconsistent, inconsistently, I don't mind if I don't mind us if we're consistently inconsistent because that's planned at the moment there just doesn't see they're trying to work out that kind of philosophical approach when do we go hurry up do we leave it to Justin do we when do we play exotic sets do we pass rush now it's just a matter of and I know fans will come at me or come at us and be like oh it's not, it's not good enough when you're a leader and it's a big organization it takes time you've got as you said it's 5 5 years 20 years Look at what Belichick has been able to do. I'll leave it at that. Oh, look, I wasn't calling for his head by any means. But is no, there no, is no, there no. an issue? Is there an issue with his game plan or his scheme and the players not understanding it or not being able to execute it? Because it, a lot of it is it, every time it's execution. Or some one or two times he'll blame himself, I think, for the big losses. But, you know, those, these close ones, it's execution. I'm like, well, what are you doing that's so different that these guys just cannot do it? Because there's moments where Kenneth Murray just looks like he's stuck in a fishbowl. And what are you doing on the football field, brother? Um, looks like he has no place there. So I don't know. That's, that's hmm. my parting, parting piece on it. Maybe for future thought. Yeah. Yeah, well put. Cool. All right. Jack, mate, do you want to get us started with uh, Snakes and Ladders? Oh, well, I alluded to him before, but Troy Reed is going straight up my ladder. Uh, he played well. Let's see more of him. Let's go. Whoop. Fight that fire, Reader. Straight up mine too. Straight up mine too. Out. Dick of the kick is up my ladder. We've got Dustin Hopkins. I'm sure we'll get to him in a sec. He's on IR. We finally got a chance to groom a 22-year-old who split the sticks on a 46-yarder for 57. That would that, that was going to be good from 57 yards, straight down the middle. Let's groom the young kicker. Not sure about that terminology, but you know, so let's let's foster his his uh, development. Yeah. So well done, Cameron Dicker. I'm liking what I'm seeing. I like Dicker. <laughs> they were my two biggest climbers, I think. Um, Rita and Dicker was in there as well. He just that we we sent a, we sent the kicker out from forty six yards, and um, what he would have got a good from fifty two or something, fifty seven. I like it. 
Kyle Van Noy, I think, played his best game. Has a, had his best game as a Charger. He's up my ladder. Agreed. Um, five total pressures. Got really close. Allowed some passages uh, early on for SJD to get up. Um, just looked busy. Liked it. Another one up my ladder. Even though we maybe said he made a, be- a poor choice running at the uh, running it out at the start of the second half. Uh, DeAndre Carter, man, if we haven't had him mm. in this stretch, I think we'd be looking a lot worse than we are. The guy's been a great signing. He's been a great, what mm. is he, fifth or sixth down the depth chart, but he's been catching some pretty big balls. Uh, he's almost like what Travis Benjamin should have been when we signed him, I feel like. So DeAndre Carter, you're rising up my ladder. Down the snake time. Hasn't been a snake all year. Khalil Mack. I know you're all being asked to do a lot at the moment, but this was probably the game we needed you most. And you were invisible. You're invisible uh, on the live watch. You're invisible to me on the rewatch. They were putting some extra attention on him, but if ever we needed him to make a Khalil Mack splash play, this was the game and it didn't happen. So a one-week snake only, maybe just a small little... um, sea snake or something like that not like a massive boa constrictor and hopefully he's back up the ladder again soon yeah good um one more ladder for me and oh just totally blanked joshua palmer massive game uh probably yeah like you said earlier he's uh his best game for the year second hundred yard game in a row um keep going He's looking a lot more dominant in the way that he catches the ball and then looks for yards after and the way he completes his routes and it's looking like we're getting improvement week after week after week. So stay away to heaven. Yep. Uh, I've got, I've got all, I don't have anything down this week because I feel like I've been very down. I need some positivity. Uh, I'm going to say Fikan and special teams. Fikan and special teams. (laughs) Fikan. You're going up my ladder. You know, it's Fikan, right? (laughs) It's Ficken. It's Ficken. It's like fucking with an I. I'm liking Ficken now. And, and it's Dion Leonard, of course, not Dean. Just keep going. Let's go Ficken. Call him whatever you want. I like Ficken. He's, as I said on last week's pod or the week before, <laughs> we're not going to see his influence for another, like, well, we're already seeing it already, but some of those players coming through. Um, I have really Super. liked special teams this year. It has not been a place of solitude and uh, absolute misery, which it has been for the past however long. So well done, Ficken. Last one for me. It's going to be a dual snake, a double-headed snake. An Orboros eating itself, no? It's an Orboros. You may as well because it's eating away our playoff chances. These are two guys who are up for free agency or can be cut at the end of the year. And Matt Filer and Nazir Adderley, neither are doing anything to commend themselves to you know their future at the Chargers. So both on the snake. Yeah. Good calls right there. All right. Let's move into the week 12 preview of the Cardinals. Um, just some quick Chargers news, injury room, Obviously, Keenan Allen, well, he looks to be pulling up fine. A few big dives, a lot of physical work from him, uh, carving up crop circles in the SoFi turf like the alien he is. Mike Williams tweaked his ankle. Um, It looked pretty innocuous, fantastic sideline catch. Uh, I believe he's a day-to-day prospect at the moment. Um, Bit of concern, though. Um, Notable other ones, Bryce Callahan seems to have strained a groin. 
We've got, yeah, obviously Mike Williams. Uh, injury to the right quad of J.K. Scott is a bit uh, on the nose. Um, Kenneth Murray had a neck injury during the game. He practiced completely today and limited participation from Gerald Everett. Also on the injury news, uh, it seems like Josh Kelly might be back at practice this week, which is exciting. Um, they'll see what his uh, <clears throat> progress is like. Um, and if he's good to go, he'll be active this week. So that's exciting. Andy, could I ask you a question about Kelly? Would you would cool, you man. throw him in for Spiller um, or throw him in for Michelle's role? So if you've got a choice between giving Spiller the carries or Kelly straight back in there, what would you do if he's, if he's fit and active this week? I think this week would be a good opportunity if Kelly's I, – I, I want to get Kelly back in the lineup um, straight off the bat. And I think Sandy Michelle is the guy that misses out for us. Um, yep. Uh, this week, the carries were pretty much hogged by Eckler. Um, Spiller didn't get too much, but he did a couple of okay things. So, um, including getting swallowed by um, Jones there. That was great. Uh, all right. <clears throat> Out of the press conferences, it was a really interesting thing to, interesting way to see Brandon Staley the way he was with um, just really. Never seen him so short, just really dismissive of a lot of the questions. Um, yeah, it's you can see the stress is really starting to build up on the guy. Uh, I think he's aware that it's going to be tough to make the playoffs with anything less than 11 wins, really, in, um, in, in this division, uh, in this conference. Um, we've all but handed the the division over to the Chiefs. So it's wildcard spot and it is very tight. All right. Al, run us through the cards game against the 49ers. Whitewash. And good mm -hmm. to see it when we played the 49ers last week and we what, gave it a fair shake. And what and could be? The, what could be indeed? The 49ers 38, the Cardinals 10 at Estadio Azteca in Mexico City for Monday Night Football. And if you want to have a good belly laugh, you should listen to some of the broadcasts going, it's a Monday Night of Football. Absolutely going off their rocker. Fantastic um, Spanish there. It. It's a Monday Night Football. Come on, man. So much, so much passion. No, you know, the, the Latino broadcasters just go for it, man. And the International Series has been a massive success for the NFL uh, this year, and I'm sure they'll get many more games in the future. But in this one... It was a blowout. Even though the score was 10 to 17 at halftime, in the second half, the 49ers scored 21 unanswered points. Um, George Kittle was a complete menace with four catches for 84 yards and two touchdowns. Jimmy G had 228 yards and four touchdown passes. So, well, look, and Brandon Ayuk had his moments as well, uh, scoring himself for two. Colt McCoy was a quarterback for the Cardinals, so it's hard to read too much into that particular loss, but they couldn't get anything on the ground. They only had 67 yards rushing. McCoy threw an interception to Jimmy Ch uh, Jimmy Ward. It was just a complete one-sided affair. And when you just take a quick look at the Cardinals at the moment, they've already announced that Kyler Murray's going to play this week, returning from a hamstring injury, so they're just going to they're going to give it a go. Clearly, they're four and seven. They're trying to get their season somewhere out of the doldrums. They're going to throw him in there. Hollywood Brown, there's no word yet on if he'll play or not, but there's a chance he comes off IR. 
And then you've got a bunch of other guys who didn't practice, like Rondale Moore, the wide receiver, Greg Dortch, their slot receiver, DJ Humphreys, their left tackle, Byron Murphy, their starting cornerback. So they, their injury list is looking as bad as ours. Um, but maybe we can transition there for you know where how they pose a, a threats to us, Andy, and some of the strengths of the Arizona Cardinals. Well, I think Kyler Murray back um, is a, a big strength, a big plus for this Cardinals team. They've just looked an absolute uh, mess with Colt McCoy and McSorley. Um, having DeAndre Carter now with uh, – sorry, DeAndre Hopkins rather with, uh, what, five games under his belt. I think he's notched up 487 yards, two touchdowns, and he's averaging nine receptions a game. He is just lighting it up. And uh, I think the only game he was under 70 or something was against Seattle. Uh, those rookie corners there did a job on him. Um, he's also averaging three but, steroid look, injections a week, I think, I hear. so. Oh, God, the chat around him has been great. Steroid boy. That was very fun. Was it Jimmy Ward who came out with that? That whole um, team screwed. Well, their, their off-field stuff is real bad. They just had their offensive line coach get sacked overnight for groping a woman in Mexico after the game. See you later. Oh, really? I did not see mm. that. They've Golly. had a lot of different things this this year. They're, yeah, it's a real struggle town for them. Mm. Well, look, we'll see what happens with Greg Dortch, but he's I watched him and he's just, he's just got a bit of wicked speed. Um, and tackling is one of our problems. And at times, coverage is a problem. Um, Derwin's been a little bit of a letdown uh, in coverage at times um, and didn't see nearly as much as I would have liked to out of uh, Asante Samuel Jr. last week. Got so, look, I think if their offense is rocking and, you know, they get Hollywood Brown back or they get Rondale Moore back, they've also got James Connor. Mm the typical kind of runner that the Chargers struggle against. And Al, as you beautifully alluded to earlier, run defense is not getting any better. Um, and we're coming up against teams who can run the ball all day. And it's it's going to be a big, big grind. Rugged, as Coach Staley would say, rugged, rugged games. Um, yeah, any strengths from you guys? What do you see as being big threats to the Chargers this week? Yeah, well, this is the Sean Payton Bowl, if we're to listen to the media. <laughs> well so, said. <laughs> you know, the uh, whoever loses here looks like they're going to be they're going to be fired the day after, and Sean Payton walks in and get the job. Strengths for the Cardinals, you know, you've talked about it um, a lot there, Andy, with their receivers. New Hopkins is going to be tough to stop if he's if he's back. Well, if if he's playing well, I just think you've got to contain um, Murray as much as possible because he's dynamite with his legs. If he's got a bit of a hamstring injury, mm. I do wonder how mobile he will be. Um, I I don't think that their offensive line is particularly good. I don't think their defensive line is. I'll hold off on a lot, few of those, but yeah, make Murray throw the ball. Um, if not, and if he gets out, and if he's mobile, that's when we're going to struggle a little bit. Out. He's one. He's one of the most interesting transformations of a quarterback I can recall in recent years. Do you know he's gone from having PFF's highest big time throw rate in the NFL to the lowest? Really? How do you go from Jeez, first to thirty second? That's a boa constrictor. That's two point one percent big time throws, and his average depth of target is less than Herbert's. It's down at under seven seven yards per attempt. So something bizarre's gone on where they've gone from being this huge offense. He can throw the ball beautifully when he wants to, to just no big time throws, 
dink and dunk bullshit. So yeah, I know we're morphing into weaknesses now, but I think we've already covered off the strengths. I'd say Buda Baker's also a good player on their defense. Mm. And they also blitz the second most in the NFL. So Vance Joseph likes to send a lot of blitzes and they're sixth on pressures. So they get home as well. So that's something we're going to have to be mindful of. But what what about some of their weaknesses? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I do wonder just on that point you made before whether the Cliffs Kingsbury air raid offense is fairly easy to figure out, and that you know defensive coordinators and opposition have sort of taken twelve to eighteen months to get on top of it and actually go, you know what, this is actually fairly easy to take away um, the, the throws that Kyler Murray has been has been. Uh, has been used to making his at the start of his career. Good call. So that's a weakness, the air raid offense. Um, listen, let's just abuse this defense, man. Like, come on. This is the fun yeah, stuff. Let's yeah, let's just abuse them. I mean, God, you look at all their PFF ratings, um, their defense has just got holes everywhere. The only thing in terms of um, w- which might be challenging for our offensive line is, uh, I said about, I talked about it earlier, but Zach Allen, um, you know, Alistair, you rightly pointed me out saying that he has a really, he's had a really poor first three years, but in his career, in his contract year, he's playing really well. So we're going to have to watch mm-hmm. him. And listen, even though JJ Watt is having not a particular, not having a great season, he's someone you've always got to watch. But he's old now. Um, Isaiah Simmons has not turned out to be the player that they wanted him. He's no Micah Parsons, which they were hoping that he would be. Attack Byron Murphy at Juni. Um, Buddha Baker, you said, is, is, str- is strong, but still not having a great season. Um, and attack them. Good run defense, bad in coverage. Yeah. So they're all bad in coverage. Their secondary, yeah. Marco Wilson, Jalen Thompson. It's a bad attack secondary. And attack the middle of the field with, the, with their middle linebackers because they won't be able to stick with Carter, Allen, Williams if he plays. I'm expecting a big day out of, uh, out of Austin Eckler and whoever's running the ball, whether it be Kelly, Spiller, or Michelle. Yeah, right. Um, well, look, I mean, JJ Watt's still leading the team in um, total pressures and, and sacks. So he might be old, but he's he's not junk. Um, I guess for me, yeah, look, I just can't get past what we need to do on offense against this defense. It's just it's just it got to have it for four quarters. Um, that's my – with you, Jack. Al, you got anything different, man? Got no, man, it's a good guys. opportunity for, for Keenan and Palmer to destroy this team. Now, yeah. I, I'm happy for us to go pass-first approach against them. They blitz, so look for the hot reads if you need to. I'd like to get Eckler isolated on linebackers. I think he's a good matchup against Zavin Collins, Neiman, and whoever else they have running around there, Simmons. So I think offensively, we've got a good chance to stick a lot of points on these guys. On defense, if we can't bottle up this running game, we're in trouble. Um, Murray, if okay, if Murray does play, which it looks like it, he will, you've got to be more mindful with your contain and scramble prevention. So it's a good thing we just played Mahomes, although Murray has a different skill set even still. Like he's got some special quickness. I don't know, bracket DeAndre Hopkins is another big one on the defense. Like that's what I would do. Just don't let us lose the game with him. If it's Michael Davis and then inside support from Adderley, let's do that. Uh, but otherwise, I don't. Well, think JT this Woods. Is... Yeah. If you're going to bracket him and use snaps. a guy, a rangy guy who can sort of tackle, uh, match him up with a guy who's a ball hawk, and that's his skill set, and get some snaps into him because I'm sick of seeing the angles that Adelie takes on tackles. Um, it's crap, and he gets himself in the wrong positions, and we're we're just not seeing the the improvement that we thought we were seeing at the end of last year and the start of this year. Give JT Woods snaps. 
Like, why and one why that might be a fu- fun one. We might is, need um, these guys later. Blood them now. <laughs> Sorry, play on. Yeah, well, no, same goes for Jasir Taylor. He had his first two snaps on defense this week. And if Callahan can't go, we're going to get to see a brand new player trying to stop either Dorch or who, who's, who's handy, as you said, yeah. if he's healthy enough to go, or whoever their third receiver is in the slot. I'm looking forward to seeing that because Jasir Taylor yeah. had moments in the preseason. So that hopefully Callahan me. can go. But if he can't, something to watch. That, that excites me, the idea of um, to see Taylor on the field. Good energy on special teams, so it's good to see. All right, Jack, start us off. What are the keys to victory and your prediction for this game? We've already covered a couple of them. Keys to victory. I think this is Staley's chance to be or to actually go and put pressure on Kingsbury. Kingsbury's known for making really poor decisions under pressure. There's been some all sorts of things going on behind the scenes. They seem to be in disarray in their front office and in the coaching ranks. So Staley, this is your chance to really go out and put the pressure on the opposition sideline. So I'm looking for you to um, control the game. I'm looking for Herbert to control the game, and I'm looking for Lombardi to control the game. I want us to control the game for the fourth time. Uh, if we don't put up more than 30 points, uh, I will be very surprised and I probably, and the pitchforks will be out for Joe if we don't. I'm thinking I'm either going 38 or 41. I'm going to say 41, 31 charges. What? Absolute barn burner. Woo-hoo. I'm going to go and see that. Um, and we're giving up 31. I reckon we're going to, it's going to be a barn burner. Yep. All right. Barn burner. I don't know. I'm firing in the day. All right. Jump in, Andy. Yeah, mate. Go for it. I'll go Chargers 28, Cardinals 21. I think it's going to be more of the same where we want a big, massive win, but we're going to have the win, but just not feel that great about it. But we'll be six and five. So that's my tip, 28-21, Chargers victory. Yeah, I've got the Chargers winning 27-24. I can't really I can't really give us more than a field goal uh, line because we just can't really win a game by more than that. So we're going to give up some yards to... Um, Hopkins, there's inevitable stuff. My keys to victory, like you said, Jack, really important. Contain Kyler Murray, um, lock down the run, their run game, and exploit their weak secondary and rubbish coverage. So, please, no more bullshit. <laughs> Let's have a good Monday or Sunday, your time. And uh, bolt the fuck up, baby. Thanks for joining us again. On the Thunder Down Under podcast, we will see you next time. See ya. See you next week. Good night to all!